in song today. I trust that they encouraged you and and blessed your heart as we sang those together. As I mentioned earlier, the last lesson in our study is dealing with the gospel. And there are many um, ideas about the gospel, and um, and yet there is only one true gospel. And if you were to ask, to be asked, to give a definition of the gospel in two sentences, what would you what would you say? You may think about that to some degree, and we, we may come back to that later this morning. <clears throat> but we want to look this morning at the fullness of the gospel. We have often, in our services, gone over God's grand narrative, God's grand scope of things, in, in four segments that basically describe all of history. First of all, it is creation, and we, we start and go through it here, and we do that so that you get, get it in your mind. And when God created everything, it was good. It was perfect in, and He created it, and then came the next major event, and it was the fall of man, where man disobeyed God, believed the devil's lie, and fell into sin. Um, not fell into sin like walking along and didn't see it, but man willingly sinned, and it's called the fall. Fellowship with God was broken. Um, their eyes were opened. They were able to understand evil and good, and they knew they were separated from God. They were filled with shame. As a result of the fall, the curse came upon mankind and on all of creation, and we bear the consequences of it yet today. But immediately as predetermined before God even created, immediately God gave the promise in Genesis 3.15 that He would provide a Redeemer. And this Redeemer would be born of a woman, an indication born of a virgin, clear back in Genesis 3.15. And... and Jesus Christ came, the third stage of history is redemption, that Jesus Christ came to provide redemption. And we'll be looking at that today in the fullness of the gospel. And and He alone provides our buying back, being bought back. That's what redemption means, being bought back so that we could be restored to fellowship as in the beginning. When mankind was made, he was made to have fellowship with God. So creation, fall, redemption, but we are still in this cursed world. We still have our old nature. 
We still have the battle with the flesh and the spirit, even if we are redeemed. But there is coming a day where there will be restoration, where everything will be restored back. God will make everything new and it will be restored back. So that's the the grand scope of God's plan. Now, needless to say, there's been 6,000 years and a lot has happened uh, since the fall of man to this whole time of redemption. And we have not yet seen the restoration fully as God intended. But this is where the gospel comes into play. And and I believe many times um, the gospel is limited in in its scope. And I want us to be able to see today the fullness of the gospel. And to begin to see the fullness of the gospel, we need to first of all come back and understand the fall of man. And we need to see the dire, desperate, damning condition that we are in in our sin. Our heart is naturally, it was born in sin. And, and you know, we have different ways of manifesting that sin. In every family, every child is different. And there are some that manifest their sin blatantly and openly. They, they, they are blatantly rebellious. No. but I don't make any promises with that either. So, there are other kids that they seem to be like the, the, model, the model child. I mean, they seem to obey. They, they seem to go along. Um, I'll let you take care of it. I'll mess it up. And, and they get praised. But I want to tell you, the motive for both of those individuals is exactly the same. One thinks doing my will will make me happy, and no, I'm not going to do what you want. Thank you. No, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. And they don't care, and they're going to do whatever they want. The other ones, it's the same motivation. Oh, if I obey... It's going to make it better for me. See, the same motivation, it's self-centered. And, and often, if you have a really rebellious one, the next one in line will often say, whoa, that's not working out too well for them. I'm going to go with the system. And, and yet, it's all motivated by self-centered, what is best for me? And we, by nature, are naturally filled with selfishness. We're naturally sinners. We, we don't want God. And we want to be our own God. And, and Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, gives us a picture of the heart of man. The heart of man is deceitful. 
and desperately wicked, and we cannot even know the depths of the evil that our heart can take us. You know, we, I'm not going to go into the depths of the evil today that is going on in the world and has gone on for years and years. And we can sometimes think, I would, I would never do anything like that. It is only the grace of God that has prevented us from doing the most despicable, vile thing that you can imagine. And, and we may have been um, blessed with some upbringing that helped put some parameters on the road of right and wrong. But we need to understand that our heart is deceitful. It deceives ourselves. It is desperately wicked. And because of that, because of that sin, we are condemned already. I mean, we are guilty of violating God's law. We're not going to take the time, but if we went through the Ten Commandments that God gave Every one of them, and if it was in a court of law, it would come down guilty. You are guilty of violating the first commandment. You are guilty. We are guilty, and we, because we are guilty, we stand condemned already. It's not like we will be condemned. We are condemned already. John 3.36 tells us that. I really believe that that because we haven't seen the greatness of our sin and offense to God, we don't value the greatness of His forgiveness. To whom much is forgiven, Jesus said, to them they love much. And, and I, I believe it's been a, an easy temptation for us to gloss over sin, like, oh yeah, I'm a sinner, and Jesus loves me and has a wonderful plan for your life. And accept this great gift and you're good to go. Well, you know, we need, we need to understand the weight of our sin. We need to understand the, the vileness of, of our rebellion against God. We sang this morning... Um, what song was it? How deep the Father's love. And in it, it, it went along the lines of my mocking voice was among the scoffers that was heard. It was my sin that kept him hanging on the cross. And, and in understanding, um, you know, we also sang amazing grace. Grace isn't that amazing to us if we don't realize how bad we were and we were condemned already. We had a place reserved in hell already, but, but now it's amazing grace. But it's, it's understanding the, the damning conditions that we were already under. And then, then we understand the gospel, the glorious deliverer. Okay, there is no hope. There, there is complete darkness and condemnation. No hope whatsoever. And then it was like this 
bolt of lightning, this ray of light in the midst of darkness. Then Jesus came. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. This is, this is the, the glorious deliverer. You've heard it over and over again. The gospel means good news. But if, if someone doesn't know they're drowning, it's not good news to throw them a life ring. It doesn't, why are you throwing that to me? I'm fine. If we don't understand we're condemned, why do we need forgiveness? And, and to understand this desperate need of ours is that, is what makes the deliverer, Jesus Christ, all that more abundant and amazing. Paul said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Why did Jesus Christ come? Not to do miracles, not to teach, not to provide us an example. John or Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Every person in the world is lost. We're born lost. And Jesus Christ came as the deliverer in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. He, he did not commend His love toward us when we were good. He showed His love toward us while we were yet sinners. I mean, if He didn't show His love while we were sinners, He would never show His love to us. And, and He manifested His love to us and provided the deliverance. He took the penalty for my sin. I am the one that's guilty, but He stood in my place. The end result of my sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. But Jesus Christ took my death on the cross, and now, because He took my place, He offers forgiveness for my sin through His death. He fulfilled the demands of the law, the demands of God, and He now offers to us that being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We mentioned earlier, in creation, man was created to fellowship with God. Sin broke that fellowship. Now through the redemption, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're brought back to fellowship with God. All this sin, all our rebellion, our evil, our selfishness, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. He is the deliverer. There is no condemnation. We sang earlier, wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the lost. He, he reaches to the uttermost. By it I have been pardoned. That means no condemnation, restored to full rights and citizenship with no restrictions in my privileges given through God. I am saved to the uttermost. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled by its transforming power, making me God's dear child. 
bringing me back to fellowship with God. This, this is the, the glorious deliverer. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, very familiar verses that we're going over, but, but in understanding, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. We, we can do nothing to forgive our sins. It is only through the glorious deliverance of Jesus Christ who took our place. It is a gift of God, Ephesians tells us. Not that we deserved it. Not that we paid for half of it and he paid the other half. Not that we paid for a tenth of it. No, none of it. Jesus paid it all. He is the glorious deliverer. Every day, every day, if you're a believer, every day we ought to be praising God for the fact that he has delivered us from an eternity in the lake of fire by faith in Christ. We should, we should always have that opportunity to praise Him. Regardless of what's going on in our life, d- despite what may go on in our life, that is the gift of God, which is eternal life. So, that is often where we think that the gospel ends. But turn it with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 provide a wonderful, wonderful uh, picture of the flesh and the spirit and life from above. And in Romans chapter 8, he mentions the verse we mentioned earlier, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. He goes on in Romans chapter 8 and he says, when you trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you received the Spirit. Second Corinthians that we read earlier said, the Spirit was given as a guarantee that you are a child of God. And in Romans chapter 8, he says, If any man says they belong to me and does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to me. Because the moment you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God. And he said, The Spirit works in our life, making intercession for us according to the will of God. And he says in verse 28, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified." Whom he justified, these he also glorified. So, he says, Jesus Christ didn't come into the world just to save us from hell. He began a good work in us in the gospel, and he has a predetermined plan. Verse 29, he says, Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, 
God has already determined my children, I am going to work in their lives to make them more like Christ. And this is the outworking of the gospel. This is what gives purpose to everything in a believer's life. Everything that happens in our lives is for this end, to make us more like Christ. That's God's predetermined plan. So, there, you have already had, and there will be many other things that will happen that you think, why is this happening? You, you can mark it down initially. Generally speaking, God is using this in your life to make you more like Christ. Now, the specific details, he'll lead you through his word, through his spirit, but this is, this is the gospel. If you have come to trust Christ as your Savior, he, is, he then has put you on the potter's wheel, and He is molding and shaping you to be like Christ. That's God's will for every believer. It's a, it's a predetermined plan. It is, um, it is, we sang earlier here, 475, the the last song, Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knows the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried and purified, I will come forth to the image of God. As I respond to the Spirit's leading in our life, I mean, around the world, I don't understand all the things going on in the world and and only God knows what is the truth. But I know this, every believer, God is at work in their lives to make them more like Christ. And every unbeliever, God is working to make them understand their need of forgiveness through Jesus Christ alone. So, it's not, oh good, I'm saved, I'm ready to go to heaven, Maranatha, Lord come. No, God has more of a purpose for you than just that. If that was all there was, every time someone got saved, boom, God ought to kill them, take them to heaven. It's better in heaven, right? There's no battle with the flesh. There's nothing there. But God's put us here for a purpose, and the purpose is not just to make us like Christ, but He has given us a permanent mission. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, He came with the ministry of reconciliation, meaning reconciling man to God, redemption brought back to God. He reconciled us through faith in Jesus Christ. And then it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And not only that, but He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So, here we are. We're we're in this world. This represents, this section will represent the world, okay? So, through the grace of God at work in my life, I trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin. I am now reconciled to God. I have fellowship with God. He is at work in my life. And he says in Colossians that you'll be going over tonight some and in the future weeks. He says, put on therefore as the elect of God. You are the child of God. 
Put these things on. Be holy and beloved. Put on bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Put these on. Long-suffering. Be forgiving one to another. Just the same way God has forgiven you. There's the example again. Christ-likeness. And above all things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. A couple weeks ago, let it dwell in you richly. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart. And whatever you do... Do all to the glory of God. Okay? So, here I am. I have been reconciled to God, but I I work with Dan. Dan is an unbeliever, let's say, okay? And Dan says something to me that ticks me off. Wait a minute. God's using that in my life to make me more like Christ. I am to be long-suffering. I am to be forbearing. I am to let the peace of God rule in my heart so that I am reflecting Christ to Him. And He may walk away and later think, hmm, that was funny. He didn't react to that. I, I knew I got His hot button, but He didn't seem to react. And day in and day out, I'm, I'm around him. And the way I work, do all to the glory of God. This is the gospel working out of me. This is, he sees, caring for others. This is the mission. I am on a mission to whoever I come in contact with to bring them to reconciliation with Christ. This is the mission every one of us have. Every one of us have this mission. So you you live next door to Dan or in the same neighborhood. And he knows you're a Christian too. So he's watching your life. He's seeing what your life is about. He's seeing, he doesn't think this way, but he's seeing either Christ in us or Christ not in us. And as... We understand, man, I have a mission. I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I am his ambassador, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are witnesses to be a witness of what God has done in our life. So that, because I've been brought to the gospel, that is now my mission. And you know what? The only retirement from that mission is death. As long as I have breath, I am on a mission to represent Him to help bring other people to salvation. That's why you're left here. You're left to be God's message. You're left to proclaim truth. And that's why Paul said, man, I was condemned. I was the worst of sinners. But Jesus Christ rescued me. And now I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God into salvation. It has changed my life. I am a new creature in Christ. I would normally respond in a different attitude, but God is, made, is making me a new creation, and now I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
And for me to live in this life is Christ. I am living for Christ. That's all it's about. I'm living for Christ. And to die will be gain, will be restoration. And that's, that's his purpose. This is my mission in life. We've, we've done a great disservice in saying um, full-time ministry, that missionaries and pastors are full-time ministers. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a full-time ministry. It takes on different realms, and none of them is more important than another, but you are on a mission this is a mission that, imagine at work, your boss came to you and said, this is what I want you to do this week. Well, you know you're going to answer to that if you do it this week or if you don't. This is the God of the universe said, this is your mission. And that's why I said in Second Corinthians chapter 5 that we read earlier, We diligently fulfill this mission because we know we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we have this ministry of reconciliation. And so, that's part of the gospel and a major part of the gospel. A permanent mission. Every one of us as believers has a permanent mission to be a reconciler. But then, the fullness of the gospel... I say concludes in an overwhelming confidence. So we're in this fallen world and a lot of crazy things happen even in our own personal lives. But we can rest in the fact that I know God's at work. He's trying to make me more like him so that my life can be an instrument to help others come to this great, great privilege of knowing forgiveness, having our sins forgiven. But man... This life gets crazy sometimes, but I have confidence that the day is going to come when I will be absent from this body and I will be present with the Lord. And in that day, everything will be made right. There are many, many injustices in this world, but you know what? I can get all bent out of shape about what's going on in my life and how people have been unjust to me or not respectful to me. But God's going to take care of it someday. So I I can leave it to him. And I, with confidence, because of the gospel, can walk through this life with a confidence, with a joy that is inexplainable, with a peace that passes all understanding, if I am allowing the fullness of the gospel to be at work in my life. Absent from the body. Someday everything's going to be made right. Someday God will be exalted. And Paul said when he came to the end of his life, knowing he was going to be beheaded, go to death in Rome, he said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. He said, because of that, I know there is laid up for me In that day, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. And not to me only, Paul said, but to every one of them that loves his appearing. Lives in light of his appearing. Loving his appearing isn't just sitting down and saying, come Lord, come Lord. It's saying, God, how are you at work in my life to make me more like Christ? God, how can I be 
compassionate and make a difference in other people's lives and touch their lives. God, how can I be a reconciler? This is the fullness of the gospel. It isn't just rescue us from hell. He's rescued us from hell to begin the work of bringing Christ-likeness in our life. And he said, here's your permanent mission, and I want you to do it with confidence because you know the best is yet to come. And we rejoice in that, that the best is yet to come. We can trust him for that. And, and what, what a joy it is. God, everything and anything that happens in my life, you can use it to make me more like Christ. I may not understand why it happened, but I can understand what you're doing in my life. And you will teach me how to be like Christ so that there will be more examples of Christ's character, Christ's love, Christ's forgiveness in this world that we desperately need. The glorious gospel, it is good news. And it gives us eyes to see this life from a proper perspective. And it gives us the blessed hope of His glorious coming. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us to see the fullness of Your glorious work in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would realize as believers that You are at work to mold us to Your image. I pray that You would help us to see the mission and to take it personally that we are here to represent You and we are here to point others to You. And Lord, I pray with confidence that we could live this life. Lord, I pray for individuals that perhaps have never called upon You for the forgiveness of sin. And maybe they're here today and they could explain the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. They can explain it all, but they know in their heart they have never laid down their desire to control their own life and turn it over to You and seek Your forgiveness. Lord, I pray today would be the day where they surrender to You. Lord, I pray today that they would, in simplicity, call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray today for we as believers that that we would surrender our plans and our will and our missions to Your mission, knowing that someday we will give an account for fulfilling the mission You've given us. Lord, I pray today that believers would be renewed Enjoy the joy of forgiveness because of the glorious Deliverer, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, may the gospel produce much fruit in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.